we target the franchise industry and we love the franchise industry and we're going to stay in the franchise industry because there is a lot to it. We've figured it out. Of course, there's going to be curveballs that come our way, but we're going to pay for that, not you. If we come across something that we make a mistake on, it'll be a 13-step list and we'll cover the cost of that. We're not going to pass that on to you. Save yourself the time and headache. Hire good vendors. Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. And my life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast with uh, your co-host, Christian Danilak. Today, we have uh, no Dan Claps. He's at a conference, unfortunately, but all the more uh, time we're going to be able to give to our awesome guest today, Chase Dalton. Uh, founder, CEO of Silicon Science. And for those of you that don't know, they've been an amazing partner of ours. They've sponsored the show. And we're super appreciative of you guys, Chase, before I even introduce you, just because obviously this podcast is not free to put on. There are costs associated with it. And so we really appreciate Silicon Science and you guys partnering with us and helping to support the show and, and make it happen so that we can spread more information about the beauties and some of the challenges as well of franchise ownership and some of the things to think about that are important for, for someone that's looking to get into franchising to know or for franchise franchisor friends and partners that we have in the industry, things that are important for them to know. Um, and so that's why I'm excited to get into our subject here today. And that's why I'm excited to have uh, Chase Dalton on with uh, Silicon Science. Chase, welcome to the program, man. Thanks, Christian. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. I know, I know you. what you do is uh, probably something that a lot of people think might be pretty straightforward, but I think as, as we dive in here today, I think people realize there's a lot more to getting signage done properly. And uh, so we'll dive into all that. I think whether you're a franchisee or a franchisor who needs a great vendor for signage for your franchisees throughout the build-out process, I think this is an amazing episode where there's going to be just a ton of value and jam-packed information. So um, it's going to be a great one. But before we dive into all the nitty gritty here. I wanted to uh, just have you introduce yourself, Chase. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into franchising, and let's take it from there. Yeah, you bet. I th- I th- thanks for thanks for the intro and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, like like Christian said, this is not you know a sexy topic to, to talk about. You know, that's part of the reasons I I love one of the reasons I love the sign industry is that it, it's it's so ubiquitous. Everywhere you turn, you see a sign. Everyone needs one. Everyone orders one. Every brick and mortar franchisee orders a sign, um, and it's not the most—it's uh, not the best best experience for the most part. And so, um, you know, we're not in tech. We're not in real estate. It's—it's um, it's so ubiquitous. Yet we don't notice it because it's so ubiquitous. I think. Um, but yes, before you just skip this episode and say I know everything there is to know, or I've already ordered signs, stick around. Uh, there's there's actually some really good information we're going to share. Um, a, a guide that I that I've put together and that we're gonna make available to, to everyone who's who's listening to the podcast. Um, and these are very common mistakes that I see all the time that people are losing tons of time and money uh, on, on these mistakes when ordering signage. So um, yeah, uh, st- stick around for all of that. It, it, I promise you, it'll be worth your while. Um, but uh, but yeah, just to int- introduce myself a little bit. Um, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um, I was uh, I came from a really big family. There's eight 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 kids in my family, um, and so that was really fun. Um, we we didn't have a lot to go around, and so we we ended up making up a lot of games and and things with ourselves. We played outside. You know, we didn't go on vacation a whole lot, um, as you can imagine, with a you know with a big family. And so we're all we're all still very close. Um, I grew up doing a lot of sports as well. Once I got into high school, didn't really do a whole lot of little league stuff. Um, just Mostly because there was a, you know, except limited resources growing up. Um, but when I got into high school, I, I loved sports. And I loved competing, and I got into. I played. I played some soccer. I played. Ended up playing football. Um, I was on the track and field team. 
um, there and, and had a good a good successful career um, in track. I ended up um, getting a scholarship to college. Went and, and was an NCAA athlete for for track and field. I was a decathlete um, at Brigham Young University in Utah. So that brought me to Utah, and uh, I'm still here now. We you know end up starting a company here and got married and have a have a couple kids, um, one on the way as well. Um, you know, bought a house. So our roots are here and and, and we're staying. Um, but I, I met my wife there at BYU. She was also on the track team. Um, she was an All-American hurdler. Like I said, I was a decathlete. Um, I, I had a, a short professional career after college. Um, I was shooting for the 2016 Olympics. Um, I was I was one of the, the highest ranked decathletes in the country. In 2014, I, was, I, was, uh, I got fifth place at the US Championships. Um, so I figured... In a couple more years, couple uh, I could make a couple more spots and, and try to get those top three spots that go to the Olympics. Um, I didn't, I didn't make it, um, and uh, sort of transitioned into into a career from there. It was it was it was a little heartbreaking because that was a childhood dream of mine um, yeah. to to make the Olympic team. I've, I've I have it written down in in books and journals from the time I was you know in single digits, um, and so I I love I still love the sport and I follow it closely. I'm really excited for the Paris Olympics. Coming up, and there's still people that are competing that are people I competed against, and and, and friends of mine, and so it's it's always fun so to cool. watch those those big events. Um, but yeah, like I said, I have a I have a, a, a almost a four year old boy, I have a one year old girl, and then uh, one on the way, and um, and uh, we're there. My wife and and children are are the reason I do everything I do. I, I love spending time with them, and um, and they're just the the most the most important thing in my life. So, um, but I also spend a ton of my time. Uh, Running and, and growing Silicon Signs, which is my my uh, fourth baby, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. I'm really excited about it. It's a it, it it's a it's a fun industry to be a part of. Um, it can be it can come across as stale and old and just blue collar. And um, but that's sort of what's exciting about it is that it doesn't have to be. Um, there is a changing of a guard, and we'll talk about that later. There's a changing of a guard yeah. in the blue collar, you know, space uh, where younger people with that are more tech, uh, tech focused and customer service focused are coming in and, and, uh, changing the game, um, which is a good thing for consumers. It doesn't have to be the way that it always has been in these construction industry, uh, type, uh, type businesses. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about the growth that we're experiencing, the, the problems that we're solving in the franchise space specifically, um, is, has been really exciting. And just the, the amount of connections and, and friends that I'm making in the franchise space uh, is awesome. I I love this franchise space so much. It's uh, the, the world is small. Everyone seems to know everyone, and everybody is rooting for everyone too. Um, and I I love that competition is outdated. Um, sure, sure. We're all we're all here to help each other and help each other succeed. And and I I really believe the cliche you know phrase that a rising tide you know raises all lift all lifts all boats. Totally. And that's what I love about the franchise industry too. It's such a collaborative industry. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, especially if they come from another industry, like maybe they come from the insurance world or financial services or whatever the case. And it's those are those can be pretty cutthroat industries. But I love that in franchising, it is not uncommon at all to see people that are technically competitors com- collaborating, sharing best practices, because I think we all realize at the end of the day that raising the the bar in the franchise industry, making it better, improving upon it, being big advocates for the industry really pays dividends. And like you said, a rising tide lifts all ships. And so at the end of the day, if if franchising as an industry does better, so do the so do the the, the key players in it. So I think I totally agree with you. And I think just going back to your story, what what I find is so interesting is and I want to dig into that a little bit more before we get into the signage and the problem out there and how to do it better and that kind of thing. But, you know, so you're, you're a professional athlete and have some pretty insane talent. You're going down that path in life. How does that progress and track into starting a sign company and getting into the franchise space? So how did that happen? How did that come about? Give us that background. Yeah. When I, in, in 2016, um, the, the Olympic year, um, I, I had some, some pretty good marks, but I, I ran into some, some challenges, both with injuries and, and just some personal challenges that, that didn't, um, that, that made it so I could I started to see the writing on the walls that this this isn't going to happen. Um, I'm not I'm not going to make it. Um, and uh, I had a and and I knew that I didn't have four more years. Um, uh, you know I, I couldn't afford it. 
right? We were living off of my wife's student loans and Pell Grants and because she was still in school. And I was working part-time at UPS at night packing boxes. And I had a couple of sponsors uh, that were, were paying for some things, for some travel money, for some supplements and, and shoes and, and gear and stuff like that. But there's just no money in Olympic sports for the most part. Um, it, it, it's it, Unless you're you know top of the world, which I wasn't, um, or a medal contender, which I wasn't. So it... It, it, it was it was challenging. I knew I, I couldn't. I knew I, this was it, and then I, I had to be done. Um, I was feeling a lot of pressure also for my family because they, and friends who were just like, "Oh yeah, hey, it's 2016. What should I buy my tickets for Rio? Um, like, should I be looking for?" And like, there's so much pressure. Just like I'm disappointing them. I'm disappointing myself. Mm. Um, and so that it, it came to a head one night, and I just uh, realized, like, "Hey, this isn't uh, this isn't going to happen." Um, and uh, I had to, I guess, change my you know changed my focus and, and I had a little bit of a identity crisis for sure you know d- dedicating all of my time and effort into this one thing into and, and it really was my identity I, I remember I couldn't get through a, a conversation with somebody without telling them that I was an athlete because it's how I got my uh, my, my value it was like hey you won't you won't mm-hmm. like me or I'm not worth anything unless you know that I'm a, I'm a, a successful athlete um, and so when that left a part of me you know a big chunk of me left as well. Um, I ended up starting an advertising company that did some outdoor advertising um, without going into any detail. It just didn't work out very well, but it, I dealt with signs a lot. Um, and one thing led to another, so I realized, man, I'm making a lot more money on signage and it's an easier sell, more people need it. Um, and so I, I made a transition there, went towards signs. I, I got a partner who we're still partners today, um, who's a perfect, you know, he's an expert in the fabrication, installation, um, operation side of things. I come more from a, a sales background, um, strategy and finance, and uh, and 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 so we we I tr- we transitioned into into signs, and it's been it's been a great place for me to land. Coming from being an athlete, where everything is very regimented and, and there's a lot of competition, and you have to surround yourself with coaches and and people who can who have been there or have helped other people get there, and you have to set lofty goals and you have to work hard to get there. And, all these things that you think of that an athlete does to be successful um, is not uh, exclusive to being an athlete. It's it, it's it's what it takes to be successful in anything. Um, and so, being able to take those same principles and apply it to business was just almost a direct translation. The only difference is that I I'm a lot fatter uh, than I than I was when I was running. But I my my mind is 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 doing all the same things. I just my body. Sits mostly in a chair in front of a computer rather than, you know, puking on the side of a track. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of the key fundamental things that cause you to be successful or not in sports and athletics are a lot of the key principles that need to be applied to be successful in business or, like you said, anything in life. So, no, no uh, surprise as to why you're, you know, you're doing so well with what you have going on. But I think even beyond. A lot of that stuff. I think you're solving a pretty a pretty big issue in in the in the industry that maybe a lot of people don't even realize is an issue. Uh, that there is a problem with getting signage done, getting it done properly, and and again, we're going to get into all the 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 issues as well as solutions with signage, but also just and I think a lot of people understand. Yeah, having a good sign is important, but can you just elaborate a little bit on why having a good sign, done well, proper size, communicating the right message, like why that's so critical for a franchisee and then for the franchisor who's been being represented by that franchisee? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's the obvious answer, which we don't really need to go into. And that is that is the part that is not the problem, right? The obvious, what are the needs? What need are we filling? The external needs super easy. People need a sign on the wall. They need to know. They need people to know where they are. They need to show up at night for directional purposes. It's very functional. Um, there's also a branding element to it, so that you can get the the brand out there. Super obvious. Anybody can do that, right? There is no shortage of sign companies that can make you a sign, fabricate it correctly, get it on the wall in the right place. Um, it's a very competitive industry, which is why Silicon Signs gets overlooked pretty easily. Because at first glance, you know, if anyone's coming to IFA and walks past our booth, they're going to look at us and say, "Oh, that's a sign. That's a commodity. That's a dime a dozen. 
I'll just Google sign company near me and I'll get a sign. Um, and so, you know, without going into the obvious reasons of, of the importance of a sign, what's the, the, the other part of that is what are the internal needs of the customer, of the franchisor and the franchisee? Um, what do they actually need, right? Franchisees, the way that I define this need, franchisees are risking it all to do what they're doing, right? Um, they're emptying a 401k, they're refinancing a house, they're um, using reinvesting uh, um, maybe a, a you know money that someone a family member left behind. Um, at the very least, you know, or maybe they're working with an investor who's who wants their money back. At the very least, they're getting an SBA loan that they're personally guaranteeing with their house. Or I mean, they're going all in, um, and uh, and that's a that's a scary time. It's exciting. It's adrenaline filled, but it's also scary. You know, because there's things that you just don't have control over. Um, which goes into you know what you guys a lot of times talk about is why why how important it is to pick the right franchise system to get into and everything um, because a lot can go wrong. You're you're controlling a lot of variables by getting into the franchise system as a whole because it does make things a lot easier than starting your own business. And trust me, it's hard starting your own business to 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 almost reinvent the wheel and have to figure out everything out. Getting to a franchise is a really nice thing. But there's still a lot of anxiety that that is surrounded surrounds opening a opening a franchise, um, and the worst nightmare of a franchisee has to be opening and nobody showing up, right? Um, cutting that ribbon, you know, flipping on the open sign and just crickets. Um, on the other hand, on the other side, their greatest you know dream is that there's a line out the door and they're selling out of product and. And and you know they just can't keep up with demand and um, and those are very both very real possibilities and both <laughs> you see it every day on both ends of the spectrum um, and so if that's what they need if that that's their goal they want to make good on their investment what part do we have to play in that um, the only thing that we can do to help them to help them be the heroes of their story is to get their sign up early. Um, and to make it as seamless as a process as possible so they can do the other thousand things that they need to do. And working in the franchise space, that's what it's about. It's not about building a sign perfectly, um, even though we do we, we do a very good job of building perfect signs. But again, anybody can do that. That's, we don't, that's not where our competitive advantage lies. It's can you get it done right? Can you did, get it done on time? And can you build awareness early enough to where you can hold your hang your hat on the fact that the day you open your doors, you're saying, I did everything I could. I hired the right vendors. I partnered with the right people. I chose the right franchise system. And now come on, come on in, right? I built it. Now, now come. Um, on the other hand of things, you know, if, if what you what we see more often than not is a sign going up a week before opening, or sometimes just opening with a banner because oh, the permit took took too long or somebody dropped the ball. Um, so we've We've built a, a really good system to, to control those variables and also to get a sign up earlier than anybody else in the country. And, and I know that's a big claim, but we take risks that nobody else will because we understand the importance of speed in the franchise system. So going back to your original question, it's not really about the importance of getting a sign up on the wall. We all know that. It's how early can we get it up on the wall? Are we using the right logo, the logo usage? Is it the maximum size allowed? Um, are we maximizing our opportunities? Those are things that you have to be, you have to understand the nationwide aspect and the, the national aspect of the science, the sign process, not just being a local guy who knows how to run a printer. Right. Um, and so that that's 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 how we're different than just any other local company. And it, and, it, and it, even though it might be a little bit more expensive to use a national vendor um, from the invoice standpoint, from an opportunity cost standpoint. Uh, it's got to be the, one of the best moves that you can use is using the right national partner. Like you mentioned, it's something that I talk to a lot, and I think I talk about it a lot on this podcast as well, is the importance of not being a penny wise, but a pound foolish, penny wise, but a dollar foolish. I've heard people say it different ways, but basically don't skimp out on investing in a higher quality. Cheaper isn't always better, right? And so I think it's important to invest and their quality, making sure it's done the right way the first time, because it might be cheaper to get up, you know, cheap sign up, or or you can use a, a vendor that maybe is a little bit cheaper, but maybe the headache throughout the process you're dealing with, and then the costs that are going to come from 
doing it the wrong way, doing things with the improper timeline, or like you said, maybe they get it up a week before their grand opening and they don't really have enough time to let that sign do its thing and promote it and, and, and let the brand build some recognition in the town. So I think there's a lot of things that people don't think about. So it is important to choose a good sign vendor and just simply picking the cheapest one isn't always the best option. But what I love about you guys is, I mean, you guys have worked with some pretty impressive uh, franchisors out there. So, you know, you guys are, are very legit, I guess I would say. So, I mean, what are some of those companies that, that you have worked with and, you know, why did they choose to work with you? Yeah, so if I can just back back up a, uh, a little bit to get, to get into that, um, our our origin story here at Silicon Signs is we um, we were open just a few months, um, and and there's a local publicly traded company here out of Utah. Um, their ticker is Pet IQ if you want to look them up. But they they open vet clinics all over the country. I think they have a couple hundred of them. They they open in like Myers and and uh, and, and uh, Walmart grocery stores. Um, we got that we got a contract with them a few months into being in business. And it was wild. Um, but they were opening 50 stores or 55 stores or something. And the signage, the signs came to about $600,000 or so, or $600,000 or $700,000 for that contract. And we had no business getting that contract. It was just me and my partner. We we're in a thousand square foot basement office of an attorney's office. We like hauled a printer down there and, and we couldn't get the laminator. So we'd have to drive to his house and laminate and then bring it back. And uh, we just had no business. I had to just really fake it till I, till I, till you make it, you know, in, in that situation. But we got the contract. Um, I sent them a, a deposit invoice for three hundred fifty thousand dollars or three hundred forty seven thousand dollars. Said, "Hey, you need to you need to deposit on this." They're like, "No." <laughs> like, what do you mean, no? Like, I got to buy all the materials and and everything. And they're and they're like, "We know you're a little. You're a small company. We know you're new. We're taking a chance on you because your pricing was good." Um, but you're going to have to figure this out. And we're not going to write you a $350,000 check and have you run off to Mexico and, and retire. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to figure something else out. Um, I had a credit card that had like a $10,000 limit at the time. So that didn't help anything. Um, I ended up going to an investor, um, got some hard money for three months, paid dearly for the interest on it. But we got that money. We were able to buy all the materials. We flew all over the country installing signs everywhere. And we, we learned about permitting out of state and about shipping logistics, um, about different landlords and municipalities. Um, and within three months, we did all 55 of those locations. We got paid out. We made a bunch of money. Uh, but we also learned a ton, uh, which launched us into this, this national game. Um, we, didn't, we didn't go all in national because we still were building a local sign company. That's usually how they start. Uh, but it helped us understand like the, the huge barrier to entry to get into this national space um, we got over it with that one contract. Um, and then we started picking up some other little ones. I think our next contract or our next um, brand we worked with was Capriati's Sandwich Shop, very well known. Um, they recently purchased Wing Zone. So we're, we're, the, we're the preferred vendor for Wing Zone. Um, we are, we've been uh, the preferred and actually required vendor with Crumble Cookies for uh, the last uh, two and a half years or so. Um, we were with them through their explosive growth in 2022, where they opened over 500 locations. Um, and, uh, and you may have seen on, on, on Instagram or something, but they're actually going through a brand refresh. Um, and so there, that's, that's all new signs there. Um, some other, uh, more recognizable names, um, handles ice cream. Um, uh, let's see. And then some, a lot of up and comers as well. Um, we like working with emerging brands. So, you know, I, I don't want anyone to think like, oh, well, I'm no crumble. So, you know, they're never going to work with me. And that's the great thing about what we're doing is that we focus on emerging brands so that we can grow with you. Um, and we can help consult at the beginning. Like, how do we build the, the sign process into the franchise game? Because right now, most, most franchises can't do it. They, they, they're trying to deliver a business in a box to the franchisee, right? Everything that they can control, that they can control the product, the customer experience, everything. There's a few things that, that you as a franchisor cannot effectively put in that box because you can't control the process or the or the product and the things that I've identified are construction of course right you can't have like a required GC all over the country um, design architecture is really hard to to um, replicate and, and make sure that you're getting a good product um, across the whole country and signage is another one um, and so for the most part, what, what you guys are doing as, as, as brand owners is you're saying, here's our style guide, here's our sign package. Good luck. Go get quotes and hopefully it works out for you. 
And that's what that's that's what the status quo is. It doesn't have to be like that, though. Um, there are like there is a solution to the problem, and that's what I'm here to say is that sometimes when when it's been bad for so long that people don't know that there's a solution. And so what we've done is we've identified what the problem is, and we said there is a solution. Here's what we figured out. Um, and and just a, a quick story. Um, Milkshake Factory is a is a is a big up and coming brand right now. I think they've they've sold a lot of locations. I don't know how many, but they're already at the point where they're turning away financially qualified buyers uh, because they're they're being very they, they can be picky. There's they they already have a dozen or so open on the East Coast. They're opening up their first few franchises right now. Really awesome brand. I've I've met now with with the president um, Dan Reese uh, with with one of the founders um, with and other people on their team. Um, Really good um, philosophy, business philosophy. Um, I reached out to Dan on on LinkedIn a few months ago, saying, "Hey, can we uh, can we have, can we talk? Or, you know, this is what we do." He's like, "We're good. We have a national brand or a national sign vendor. Um, let you know if anything changes." I said, "Sure, just keep me in mind. Um, if you have any questions, like all of my advice is free, and that goes to everybody else too. If you have any questions, need a consult, hit me up. All my advice is free." Um, well, a couple Fridays ago. Dan reached out to me uh, and said, "Hey, this national time committee didn't work out. Um, let's meet." We had a thirty-minute meeting. I showed him what we've done to solve the the problems in the franchise space, and his his response at the end was, "Gosh, I wish I would have taken this meeting three months ago," <laughs> um, because he just you know when you get to these national sign companies, these national vendors, of course they want your business, right? You're a big up and coming brand, easy money, right? Um, and so they, they'll promise you the world and then they'll ask for a contract. They'll ask for exclusivity. They want to be written into your FDD. Then, then there's nothing to, there's no accountability there. And so that's what happened uh, with Dan is, is, you know, they wanted this contract and then all of the promises they gave him when they were pitching him just went out the door. The price was extravagant. The timelines were extravagant, uh, because most national sign companies don't have control over those things. Uh, a lot of times those are just middlemen, project managers. Uh, who are getting things built somewhere else and shipped and then outsourcing install. Um, and what really impressed him, which what, what he told me is that he he's like he said, it seems like you guys bet on yourselves. Um, you don't I don't have to prom I didn't promise him anything because there's nothing to promise. If I don't do a good job, I'm not getting the job. I have to compete on every job. I'm not I didn't I'm not asking for contracts. I'm not asking for exclusivity. I'm asking for the first crack at them. Let me give them a quote. Let me give them a sign plan that we've done the research for the city. We've done the research for uh, on their lease. We understand their brand guide. And so we've put together a site plan to where a franchisor can rest easy knowing, all right, the brand is protected. This is the max use of the sign, uh, of signage. The, the, the logos is used correctly. And we're giving them a quote. And so we know you're not getting snowballed too. All of that within 24 hours. So now... They can take that, go get other quotes. We encourage them, go get local quotes. Let us earn our keep. Let us prove ourselves. And, and, you know, sometimes we, most of the time we are, you know, about 10% higher. But when you're talking about a $10,000 sign package, you're saying for $1,000, we're going to get your sign up earlier than everybody else. We're going to be super responsive. And it's 10%. It's not 50%. It's not double, which sometimes you'll see when working with national vendors. And the reason for that is because we can control the price because we have our own fabrication. We do everything in house, we build our own signs. We ship our own signs, um, we so we can control the timing, the quality, and the price of that, which is different than most other national sign vendors out there. I mean, that's huge. I think that 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 alone is a pretty big differentiator. And the fact that you don't handcuff the franchisor into an exclusivity agreement, where it's like, yeah, I mean, once I'm in, once I got that agreement in place, I'm in the FTD. Then it's like, well, it's going to be hard to get rid of me. So, yeah, I don't really necessarily need to need to deliver on a super quality product. I mean, I think if you're, you know, if you're, you know, a company with integrity, you would, but still, it's just human nature. You're, 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 you're going to feel the need to, you're going to feel like I can slack a little bit here and there because I already got the contract, you know, so I'm, our, I'm good, right? Yeah. Capitalism can't do its thing when you eliminate the competition. And this may surprise you, but even with that process, we close 61.5% of our, of our deals. So that goes to show you that we are still in line with local pricing. Um, and we're providing a service that people need, um, and and so it's 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 a great it's been a great business model for us. And um, any any other sign companies out there that are listening to this, don't don't take my idea. Um, <laughs> no, please do. 
Um, I, 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 lo- I love I love competition. Maybe that comes back to my decathlon days. Um, I don't I don't just want to beat you in one event. I want to beat you in I ten. Love it. So <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I didn't want to come on here and try to pitch everybody and say, hey, come use my company. Like, obviously, we want to talk to you. Uh, I really just want to want to provide some good information so that you can avoid some of the costly mistakes that I see most uh, most common across the country in fran- with, with franchises. Because you know, for the most part, you as a brand, you want to pr- create a, a system so that your franchisees can be successful. Um, but as a franchisee, a lot of a lot of you guys are going to be just new business owners. You've never you've never done this before. You've never owned. A business you've never ordered signs, and you don't know what a, the, a channel letter is, or what temperature of LEDs are, or what permits are required, inspections are required. Um, and for the most part, from what I've noticed, brands, franchisors don't know it either. They just kind of have to. They're they're leaving you to the to, to trust the local vendor that you that you hire, or the national sign company that might be twice as much as the local guy. Um, and so I want to I want to I do want to get into some of the very you know the key elements to say hey. Don't do these things and do these things to save yourself a lot of time and money. Um, and then, it, it, you know, if anything comes of that, then, then great. But I, I don't, I don't, I just don't want to sound like I'm coming on here to to pitch. That's not my intention to to try to you know get a bunch of business off of this. I want to, I want to provide a good value for you and your listeners. No, super appreciated. And yeah, I mean, let's let's dig into that because some of the questions I have just that are coming to mind right now is, I mean, you say you can get it open faster than anyone else. So how do we do that? And then I know. There's lots of books out there. I think there's a book called uh, Brick and Mortar uh, Franchise Success or something like that. And the author, who I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm blanking on her name, but she talks about with getting anything built out. And she had built out a lot of the McDonald's in Walmarts uh, around the country when they had that agreement in place. And so she knows that you have to do things in the right order. If you, you know, if you do step three before step two, and that really screws things up. It screws up the time, it screws up the budget. And signage is obviously one of those things too. So what is the right order of operations? Like what does that process look like to do it the right way? And then also touch on some of those those key mistakes that really again screw up the timeline, screw up the budget, and the overall quality of the sign as well. So let's let's talk about that. Give us an insight. Yeah, it, you're exactly right is that there there absolutely is an order of operations and it's several steps long. And you're not a general contractor. Um, and for the most part, your general contractor is not going to manage this for you. And if he does, he's going to mark it up for 15 or 20%. And now you're out another 15, 20%. Um, and and you're, this isn't something that you signed up for when you bought into a franchise, a brick and mortar franchise system is to be a signed project manager. Um, and so, which goes back to picking the right vendor is a really important thing. Um, I so th- this this guide that I put together it's a it's a twelve step sign purchasing guide, and Kristen you're gonna you're gonna put that in the, in the notes so anybody can download that. Um, this is it might seem really obvious when you read through that. Um, you, you'll you might read it and be like, well, duh, I would have done this anyway. No, you wouldn't have. I promise. You would have missed a couple steps. You would have done a couple things out of order, and you'll you're gonna make mistakes unless you're really just really lucky or you've done it. Um, 15 times before, you know, and you're a seasoned franchisee and you've already made, that just means you've already made the mistakes. This document represents hundreds of thousands of dollars of mistakes that I've already made and paid for so that you don't have to. Um, and, and we're giving it out. We, this is something we only give to um, the brands that we work with. Um, and a lot of times they copy and paste it directly into their operating manual. Um, and it's, it's written that way um, so that you can do that if you'd like to. Um, yeah, but it also you can edit it and and or just use it as a guide. If you're a franchisee, do it. If you're a franchisor, let's talk and let's see if we can set up a system for your franchisee. Um, but in that, it, it it tells you the order to go in and what to look out for. Um, so you know, f- for example, step one that we have in this guide is to negotiate your signage during the LOI, uh, which again, right, seems super obvious. Uh, yeah, w- why not? But no, you get into a you get into that that. LOI stage, and you're just trying to be as opportunistic as possible. You're like, it's more about, you know, is it the right area? You know, what's the traffic count? What's the median, you know, um, salary range, earning range in in this area? Um, And you don't, you don't think about signage because it's not part of the initial process. They don't show you that until they give you the first draft of the lease. Um, And so the, the, the best thing you could do is have a standard sign package. Your brand might prepare that for you. We can help prepare that for you. Another vendor saying, hey, here's what we want. I don't know what the size is or anything, but this is at least the design that I want. 
Um, I want monuments. I want coming soon graphics. I want window graphics. At that point, the landlord is going to bring up any of the glaring issues that are the problems and say, oh, no, we ha- your letters have to be 12 inches tall and they have to be red and they have to be Arial bold font. Um, that sounds crazy, but that is something that we're dealing with right now um, over in Florida. And it's for a crumble. And they're saying it has to be the certain font, red letters. And if you guys know anything about Crumble, they're very particular about their brand and it's really important to them. And they were just like, absolutely not. Like, I'd want you to get out of your lease, you know, sell your lease or, or before, before I want red Helvetica bold font letters on the building. Right. Um, and that stuff, while uncommon, is still, is still out there. And then there's things that are less egregious though. Like you can't have any window graphics on your wall. Well, what if you're a company that has that part of your sign package is to have very big graphics on your windows and, and that's really important to your brand. Um, what about certain fabrication methods that can be double the cost, triple the cost just because they decided to do that and you're now contractually uh, uh, bound to it. Give yourself a chance to negotiate before you sign the lease. Because if you've ever signed a lease before, you'll know that once you sign the lease, the landlord couldn't give two craps about you anymore, right? For the most part. It's like, sorry, you signed the lease. That's the rules are rules. I don't need to negotiate with you. Uh, do it before you sign the lease. Um, and, and, and give them the sign package. And then a step beyond that, once they give you the first draft of the lease, get the drawing set up for... like get, get the site plan set up for your location with the right size. Get it written into your lease so there's no miscommunications. There's no... He said, she said, there's no... You know, I, I get to approve this and I change my mind. Because a lot of times in your lease, it's going to say, we have to approve your signage and it won't be with, unreasonably withheld. Gosh, that leaves, that leaves a lot of gray area. Because who's defining what unreasonably means? Um, and, and so get it into your lease. It says, this is what I want. This is what I'm getting. And this is the contract that we're signing. Um, that's, that, that's that step one. And so it starts a lot earlier than you think. Um, the other good thing is as soon as you sign your lease, you're ready to go. Order your signs. Um, because you already have the sign package put together. Now it's just about for, you know, sending in a permit and, and, um, and, and getting it built. Um, another thing that people lose a ton of time on is just getting quotes. Um, if you're going out to a few local companies, obviously you want to get a lot, of, you know, a few options. Um, here's something to look out for. You are in a hurry, right? You signed a lease. You probably have 180 days, 240 days to build out something before you're paying rent on something that you're not using. So you, there's a lot of pressure to get a lot done really quickly. Um, there are going to be opportunistic sign vendors locally or nationally who smell that and say, Oh, sweet. Well, you're desperate. You don't have time to go do this again. I just spent a week with you on site going through what you needed and going back and forth with you and getting all the landlord approvals. You don't have time to do this again. I'm just going to jack the price up a little bit because you, you're, you're green. You don't seem like you know what you're doing. And, you know, and, and before you know it, you're spending 50% more, 100% more on your signs and you have no clue. Um, and so, it, but it takes a long time to do that. Um, and so one of, the pro- one of the ways that we've solved that is the, the brands that we work with um, in this guide, there's actually a link that you can fill out a survey and it gives us all the information we need, your lease, your address, your open date, your GC, your landlord information. Within 24 hours, if you do that, our company will have put together a full site plan with a quote delivered to you in 24 business hours. And that will be approved by your landlord, the city, your brand. If we under, if we know your brands, you know, stuff, I, it wouldn't work if some random person did it. We'd have to do a little bit more research than that. Um, but with the brands we work with, has all that plus a competitive quote. You take that. Now you, the, the work is done. We don't have to meet you on site and do all the measurements. We know how to do that from Google Maps now because we've done this over a thousand times. Um, we, we know... We don't, we don't need to send somebody out to take pictures, measurements. We could scale it up based off of the information that we have. It's very rare we need to do anything more than that. But now you have everything you need to then go to a sign company and be like, Hey, you don't, you don't need to meet me on site. We don't need to get on a phone call. We don't need to get on a Zoom call. Take these drawings. Give me your best price. And you, don't, you now have a quote from us. That's a competitive quote. So that if they do try to snowball you, you're just like, bro, like... This company over here has to build a crate and ship it over to me and outsource the install and they beat your price. Like, come on. So it gives you a lot of negotiating power and it just gives you the tools you need to be confident, to be prepared when you're entering this, this negotiation. We're talking about $10,000, $20,000 of science, which could constitute 5 to 10% of your whole overall startup budget. Like, it, it is a significant cost that you don't want to mess around with. 
If you'd like our help investing in a franchise at no cost to you, head over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a free consultation. What do, what do you think, Christian? Do you want to? Do you want me to kind of roll roll through some some other of these points, or or do high high level? And- yeah, everything you're talking about is fantastic because I think it's so true. A lot of people, when they look at a franchise disclosure document, and for those that don't know what that is, that's a document that every franchise is required to have by law. Whether you're McDonald's, Subway, Crumble, Handles Ice Cream, you name it, they'll have to have this document. And one section of the item seven that talks about the initial investment range and if you want to stay within that investment range, I mean, it, if you're in a brick and mortar franchise, it can very easily exceed that. Again, if you don't do things in the right order, it's very easy to go over budget if you just don't do things the right way, use the right vendors, do things the right, the right timeline with the right, uh, the right steps involved in the right order and all that. So I think having a partner like, like you, Chase, is critical. And like you said, five to 10% of the, the total investment, I mean, that's not chump change. That's a lot of money. And again, that affects when you're opening, it affects your your, your grand opening and, and how much you're promoting the business up front. And so I think it's, it's absolutely critical. So yeah, let's dive into some more of those things. I think this is incredibly valuable for everyone, I'm sure. I know it is for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope it is. And, and like I said, it seems obvious out, uh, at the front, but once I get into these details, it's like, oh, I guess I haven't been doing that and I should be. Um, I wouldn't have put this together if, I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. The, I, this list comes from mistakes that I've made, that other people have made, that I've seen cost money um, and time that we're trying to solve. Um, then the next few points, they, 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 they are much more obvious and quick. To, there's not much to talk about. Number three is you get landlord approval. Um, a lot of times people look at it and they say, oh, well, the sign company made it and it's within the sign code. And um, okay, go. Um, this happened um, a couple of years ago with a franchisee. We we sent it. We sent them the plans and the quote. He said, "Yeah, this is great." Um, landlord says it's good, and it was just verbal. And the project manager that was working on it didn't get a signature on the documents. It just took their word for it. The franchisee's word for it. it said, "Oh yeah, the landlord says good. He's cool. He says it's fine." Well, the landlord doesn't allow signs on the rear of the building, um, and so we built two full signs. Got two full signs installed. The landlord comes and they're like, "You can't have that. Take it down." Um, and so the franchisee calls me. He's like, "Hey, we got to take this sign down." I was like. How did this happen? Like, did you not get landlord approval? He's like, oh, I thought I did, and all this stuff. Well, he ended up paying for two signs when he only had to pay for one. He had to pay for two installations, which when he only had to pay for one. And just to add insult to injury, he had to pay again to have this company come back out and remove the sign and repair the wall. Um, and so the sign ended up being triple what it should have uh, because he didn't get landlord approval. Get signed landlord approval, and if he would have started from the beginning and got into the contract, then there wouldn't have been this issue. Uh, but if you're an established brand, that's hard to get that process implemented, you know, into your procedures, you know, it's like turning a battleship. Um, and so if you're early, if you're, if you're an early brand, if you're an emerging brand, let's get this into your process right now to save you and your franchisees time and, and money later. Uh, but if you're not, and, and you already got things moving, you can still solve some problems down the road and retroactively get the, a lot of these problems fixed. So yeah, get your landlord approval. Get them to sign the document. Sign. There's a page, place on our drawings, the first page, landlord approval. They could sign it and then we're good. Um, four, get multiple quotes. We, we already talked about that. Five, just as a um, to, to set the expectation, you should be prepared to pay a 50% deposit. That might be obvious, uh, but you, should, you, you will have to pay a 50% deposit um, on any jobs. And then there's, there's going to be other vendors who might make other progress bills. Hey, you have to pay this much before install. Okay. And then this much after install. If they don't, if they're not beefy enough to handle the cash flow, then the more payments you're going to have to make. Um, for us, you pay 50% when we start and then 50%, you know, within 15 days after your signs installed. Um, installed and permit and permitted and inspected and everything. Um, number six out of 12 is sign permitting. Um, this is a big question we get. We don't know the process. Because uh, you don't know the process of, of what your city requires. We don't know either. We figure it out. As, if it's a city we've done plenty of business in, then we know. But for the most part, it's a new new municipality. And we go in and we figure it out. But key is we do the work, not you. Um, you will rely on us or whoever you hire. They should be pulling the permits. If they're telling you you need to pull permits, run. Um, they need to pull the permits. You have to be licensed in the municipality that you're getting the, license, the, the sign permit in. 
Um, don't allow your GC to do it, and then don't try to save money by by having them do it or, or your GC install it. It might work out, but for the most part, it probably won't. Installing a sign is not is is a is a specialized trade. There's a specialized license, sign hanging, sign installation contractor. It's a sub license of, of its own. Um, so you got to get you got to get a permit. Um, there a lot of times there, there's a planning permit which approves the size. There's a building permit which approves the attachments. And the lighting, typically, um, and then sometimes there's a zoning permit, making sure that you're in the right zone and everything, depending on how big your municipality is. And then, and then sometimes there's other things we won't get into, like having to do a variance and and having to go through different planning commissions and things like that. It's very rare. It's nothing we need to go over now. Uh, it is a complicated process, and you want a good vendor that's going to do it, and they're going to do it right and do it on time. Uh, what it is the worst part of being a sign builder and sign installer is permits. You have to work with the government. They suck, right? And so it is because it's the... Yeah, well, once it's in the city's hands, you, nobody has control over it, right? You just They're going to take as long as they could take. You might want to bring them a sandwich or bring them a plate of cookies, but it doesn't work. Like maybe if it's in Podunk, you know, Alabama. But for the most part, it's going to take how long it's going to take. So we can't control that. Nobody can. But what we can control is how quickly do you apply for the permit? And with a part of the job that's so annoying... And such a nuisance, a lot of sign vendors delay that process. They put it off, they procrastinate it, um, and you'll see it all over the place. And so you need to find someone that says, if you, whoever you're hiring, you're saying, hey, you have the job. When are you going to apply for this? When are you going to submit this permit? By the end of the week, okay, I'm going to follow up with you on Thursday to make sure that you're on track for that. And Friday, okay, I'm going to call you on Friday. You make sure, if you're project managing this, you make sure it's done. If you work with us, don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. We work with the local installer. We stay on their butts to make sure because we need to make this look good. Now, the fabrication timeline is what the next step is. And that times in, that ties into the permitting. And this goes back to your question, Christian, about um, why are we faster than everybody else? Um, and here's the reason. Your typical process when you order an exterior sign... And by the way, this is just for exterior signs. Interior is its own... It is, is, has a different sets of challenges, but you also don't have to get permits and stuff like that. And we could say that sketch for another time or just talk to me personally. Everybody's different. We just can't universalize that like we can exterior signs. So here's the typical process, right? You get your quotes, you, you vet your vendors, you, you pay your 50% deposit. Within maybe a week or so, they'll get all the documents together, the signatures, they'll submit the permit. That, so that, that'll take a week or so. Um, the permit, again, we don't know how long it's going to take. If you're in LA or you know Chicago, it might take three months. Um, if you're in a suburban area, it might take a week or two. Um, I'd say the average is probably about four weeks. You should always plan on like four to six weeks for for permitting just to be safe, unless you are in a rural area. I mean, not rural, uh, urban area, downtown areas, big municipalities. Plan on a couple months, but it's not that big of an issue because your building permit is going to take just as long. So it's not like you're getting way far behind because those are going to be moving in tandem as long as you get the sign permit submitted early, early on, which you should have it submitted before you submit your building permit because you still need to get architecture and all that and you've just signed your lease. So you should be okay as long as you start the process at the right time as early as possible, which again, it's LOI. But as far as fabrication timeline, um, most companies, you'll, they'll submit the permit. The, the permit will take four to six weeks to, to complete. And then after they get issued the permit, then they'll start building the sign. And that usually takes four to six weeks on average, depending on your, the sign vendor you use. Um, and then, you know, another week to maybe get it scheduled the install and get it installed. So if you're adding this up in your head, you have the one week, you have you know, another six. So there's basically, you know, almost two months and then another month or month and a half. So you, you can easily be three to three and a half months. And that's if everybody's working efficiently. Okay. So now you go back to that timeline that we talked about. You signed a lease and you have 240 days until you're, you know, of rent abatement until you are paying a lease or paying rent and your sign just took three and a half months and that was with everybody doing it right. So now your sign's up two, one, two weeks before you open and then we go back to our issue is if, if the opening wasn't super successful, what, what was it? What, what could I have done differently? 90% um, of our issues that we've dealt with historically have been with timeline. And if you are the experienced franchisee and you've done this, then you know it too. It's timeline. It's getting it up sooner. Um, so that you can have build, start building awareness. So we decided last year. Um, this so this is something new for us about the last six seven months. 
we decided that we're going to build the sign at the same time as we apply for the permit. Because the reason why people wait is because the city might come back and be like, oh no, your sign isn't built right. It's too big. It's too small, whatever. If you, so if you build the sign too early, you might have to trash that sign. It'd be a very expensive mistake. But we've, again, we've done this over a thousand times. We know the guardrails in place to make sure that we, and we have a, 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 a multi-step process to make sure that we have a 99.9% certainty that it's going to be okay. So we apply for that permit. We start building the sign, hopefully a day after you pay your deposit. So for the most part, what we have is signs done shipped waiting in a warehouse to be installed the second that permit is issued we schedule we can schedule the install and it can get up that week so that save that can save four six weeks sometimes months uh, depending on what we're comparing it uh, against and 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 again it's not bad what the other people are doing they're, they're doing it the right way they're doing it the the safe way but we're taking a risk with you guys as franchise as franchisees and franchisors because of this model. We don't want just the one store. We want all of your stores. We want to have a good experience. Well, let me ask you this, Chase, just real quick. Like, What happens if the city comes back and the local municipality says, this signage is not going to work, this plan is not going to work, and so you've already built out the sign on your end, and then you need to make adjustments to it, that sign isn't going to work. I mean, what happens at that point? How does that How does that work? What, what are the... the what is the... Will that look like for the franchisor, for the franchisee? Can, can you walk us through that? Yeah, yeah. So it'll go on a, a pallet rack in our shop and we'll hope to God that um, we find we can reuse it in the, in the future because that probably costs us five $6,000 of material and labor. Um, so and, that and if not... Is, the, is that on the franchisee and they, to get it up and going again or the Zor? Yeah, no. So we, we're taking the risk. That's why it's so different. That's why you're not going to see this anywhere else. That's huge. Uh, it's because we take the risk. If it doesn't work, then we're going to trash the sign. We'll recycle it or we'll hope that it gets reused. Um, and sometimes it doesn't. And, and very, rarely it does. Um, you know, and, and, and we, just, we just get lucky at that point. Um, but no, we're, we're, we're assuming all the risk. There are companies who will build your sign before you get the permit. But I guarantee that they're going to make you sign a waiver or send an email saying, I'm accepting this risk because it's my problem. Um, and so, but we're not going to do that. We're not passing on that risk. That's a big differentiator. That is no joke, guys. So that's that's huge. That's super awesome that you guys do that. Um, Chase, just because we're running a little bit out of time here, I wanted to maybe run through the last couple of steps here. And then I want to talk about how people can get in touch with you because you've shared a ton of amazing information here. And I think that you guys truly have built a much better mousetrap when it comes to getting signage done, getting it done properly getting it done on time. And hopefully everyone that's listening to this is realizing what I thought was maybe a simple and straightforward process has a lot more nuance to it than maybe I realized. And look, I deal with this all the time as a franchise advisor, franchise sidekick, where maybe I'll present an option to somebody and it's a home services franchise. And they think, well, this is kind of simple. I mean, couldn't I just do it on my own, buy a truck, some equipment and succeed and kill it? And I'm like, we could. And maybe you would do well with it. I don't know. But there's a lot more to this business and to this industry that maybe you're appreciating at this at this moment. And I think once you start to learn more about the industry and you learn about the nuance and everything under the hood, then you realize, wow, it's maybe not as simple as it as it looked on the surface. And I think you've painted such a great picture of why that's the case with signage. So would love to hear just some high level stuff with with uh you know the rest of the process there. And let's talk about how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a good place to stop. I'll just direct you guys to the show notes of that document. The, the last seven steps are very technical, um, and there's nothing more that I can add here verbally uh, or stories that I could tell you than than just is, is what in there. So, or in that guide. So, go ahead and check it out. Use it. Um, save yourself time and money. Um, and I wish you guys the best of luck as, through your sign buying process. This is, of course, just the exterior process. We didn't. This, this doesn't go into any of the pylon signs, the monument signs, the interior signs, vehicle graphics. There's a lot more to it, and and I agree with everything you said, Christian. It is much more nuanced than than you would think, and that you can say that pretty much about anything. Um, as a new business owner, as a franchisee, you need to pick the right partners. Um, you can't do everything yourself, and if you're going into any concept, whether it's a home service business or a brick and mortar, and you think, oh, I've done this before, I'm smart, I'm a hard worker. Then you're about to get the biggest kick in the pants, you know, that that of your life. Um, a, a rude, rude awakening. Um, you have to surround yourself with good vendors, with good advisors, with good partners, 
and the least amount of work that you can do, let somebody else who's already made the mistakes do the work for you as much as you can. Pay a little bit extra. Get open earlier. Um, understand opportunity costs. The most successful franchisees that I come across within the thousands that I've worked with now are the ones who understand the value of their time and of opportunity cost. Um, and they're not nickel and diming every single um, step along the process. The ones who I do see do that are the ones who take twice as long to get open. And now they've lost thousands and thousands of dollars a week of, of sales that they could be getting because they wanted to save you know, 500 bucks on their sign package or whatever it may be, construction um, or, or hiring an advisor to say, hey, here's what you do and here's the process that you do it in. Um, it's incredibly valuable. Um, that's why these businesses exist. And that's why we we target the franchise industry and we love the franchise industry and we're going to stay in the franchise industry because there is a lot to it. We've figured it out. Of course, there's going to be curveballs that come our way, but we're going to pay for that, not you. If we come across something that we make a mistake on, it'll be a 13-step list and we'll cover the cost of that. We're not going to pass that on to you. Save yourselves the time and headache. Hire good vendors. Um, and, and I'd love to talk to you guys. If you want to, if you want to look into um, working with our company, um, check out our website, um, silkandscience.com. Um, check out our Instagram. It has an example of some of the stuff w- that we worked with. Um, and then another, you know, if, if you want any re- references or resources, I'd be happy to to point you towards um, our contacts at those brands, at any of those brands, and they can they can give you a testimony of what it's like to to work with us. Um, and uh, but also, if you do, if you reach out through our website, um, that email will come straight to me, and I'll I'll respond to it. Um, we are a growing company. Uh, we do a, a ton of business, but there are certain things that I will not pass off. Um, and one of those things is talking to the franchisors and meeting with them and go over going over these things with them. I personally go through the sign design and give recommendations on how to franchise your sign package to make sure that it's the look that you need and want for your brand, but also that it's the most cost-effective and most replicable for your franchisees. Um, and that's something that I have a ton of experience with and I'll work directly with on with you on. Once we build the process, we have a stable of project managers who will be there every step of the way to help your franchisees, to keep them on track, to keep them under budget, um, and, and to give them a really good customer experience, which is what our, our guarantee and our, our promise is. So um, if, if it's a good fit, please reach out. It, we're, we're, not a good, we're not a good fit for everybody. Um, not every concept is, is right within our wheelhouse. And, and we'll, we'll let you know and we'll be honest with it. We want to be successful because uh, we're successful when, when you're successful. Uh, but it, more than anything, I just hope that you guys found a little bit of value from this. Hope you get some value from that 12-step guide and that it saves you a couple bucks along the way. Um, and then good luck to everyone out there who's building a franchise or, or opening a new, you know, new, new, new territory. Awesome. Love it, Chase. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I think one of the key takeaways, guys, is it is incredibly important to assemble your team of A players, your team of advisors who are experts in their specific field whether it's a franchise advisor or a sign vendor, partnering with the right franchisor, it's all critical. The most successful people I've ever met in life have a team of advisors that help them. And don't don't nickel and dime yourself into failure or into mediocrity because you didn't want to invest into the proper team. And it's, it's, it's the whole reason you get into franchising in the first place so that you have a proven model. You have people that have been there before so you can skip a lot of those that trial and error, those costly mistakes, and you can do it the right way the first time and build something a lot quick, scale it quicker and, and build an asset. So I, I love it, Chase. Thanks so much for adding the value. And I know that you're going to be at the IFA coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I think you have a, a, a booth there, you were saying, right? And then so people that are there, they can enter for a raffle to, uh, to set up, uh, if they set up some time to speak with you, right? 15 minute conversation they can get entered into a raffle to win quite a good chunk of change. And even if you're not able to make it in person for the IFA, I think if they schedule through the link that we'll provide in the show notes, they can get entered into the raffle as well. Or can you explain that? And then we'll wrap up. Yep, exactly. I'll, I'll uh, at the IFA, please come say hi. I'll be there. My, my business partner, James, will be there. It's just us. Please come say hi. Introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. But yeah, I'll have a little iPad there. Um, if you set a, a meeting with me and, and take a meeting with me for 15 minutes, we'll enter you into a raffle to to win $10,000 off of a exterior sign package. Um, I can't imagine there's going to be that many people who do it. Maybe a, a few dozen, hopefully. Um, and so that's that's those pretty good odds to to win $10,000. So if you know you're going to be um, having a sign package coming up, an exterior sign package, 
um, set that come by the IFA, set that meeting. But yeah, um, since we're doing this, Christian, I'm going to also send you that link to my calendar. Um, and anybody who uses that that specific link, you know, to to set a meeting with me, um, if you can't make the IFA, I'll enter you guys into that raffle as well. And uh, hopefully, uh, the uh, uh, hopefully one of you can can uh, can win that and, and save yourself a, a big a big chunk of change on your build out costs. That's huge. That's huge. Well, thanks so much. Super appreciate that. And, and thanks again to you, Chase, and to Silicon Science for being a sponsor of the I Fired My Boss franchise podcast. We super appreciate it. And uh, anyone else, if, if uh, any other vendor in the franchise space is looking to get your brand in front of uh, franchisees, franchisors, the franchise community, we'd love to, to chat and see if it might make sense to uh, have you provide value to our audience. So reach out to us. I think there's a form on our website. But thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Chase, thanks again to you. And uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss. 